following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Welcome to Finding the Narrative, the Genesis RPG Podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system created by Fantasy Flight Games and produced by Edge Studios, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both the players and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me, as always, are my fellow co-hosts and good friends, Chris Holmes and Stefan Dragonspawn. Stefan, how are you today? I am good. Are you sure we're your good friends and co-hosts? Then I'm sure there. <laughs> in that order, not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, worked yesterday uh, on the new, at the new job, liking it. My back was sore, but uh, <laughs> not used to working uh, uh, physically instead of just in front of a computer. So have to move a, more, a few more muscles, but I'm much better now. How about not you, Chris? Right, twenty year old anymore? Are you? No, right. no, no. <laughs> but so I'm still exercising, good. Exercising that brain matter. Now you got to exercise the body. Exactly. Um, well, how are you, Chris? I'm yes. doing pretty good. Uh, my Vikings beat the Packers, so it's always a good day when that happens. Especially because they were one and five to start the the day, but now they're two and five. And I know, I know, <laughs> snore, snore, talking about sports. But um, you know, fuck it. This is my time. This is my time. <laughs> And I know Let's there might be barbecues too. One of you ten people might be a Packers fan, and you know what? I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna suck. The Vikings are gonna suck anyways, but at least they, they do good against them. Um, <laughs> other than that, um, just been playing a lot of Sotor. <laughs> nice. Rising by darkness, as they say. <laughs> uh. <laughs> right. How about you, Tony? What's up with you, buddy? Same yeah. thing. Playing Star Wars: The Old Republic online with yeah. you and. Uh, Running games, it seems like every other day. Mm-hmm. <sighs> kind of does. I love it. Nice. I love it. Chris, Tony, you are there, my darlings. Holy crap! Oh. Is that Stephanie? Yes, I decided to drop by. I sh- I heard that this was episode sixty-nine. Oh, I love that number. <laughs> you know, I was born sixty-nine seconds before Stephen. Of course, of yes, course, yes, of course, you were. And to stay, yes, and to stay before I go. Um, a little joke for you. What do you get when you cross a male organ with a telephone pole? I don't know. Free to ask. You get a humongous dick that wants to reach out and touch someone. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. right. I must leave you now. I have to go to a Halloween after party. Ciao, my, my cheries. <laughs> Ciao. Ciao, Stephanie. <laughs> wow. Well, then, that was... Uh, that was a good one. An unexpected visit visit yes. from Stephanie. That's right. Yes. She she said that if I if I breathe the word of it, she would kill me. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I, I believe she's capable of it. She would, yeah, she would make me into a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are to episode sixty nine, and we are entitling this one "Mastering Encounters." Now, a while back, we did a show on building encounters and i think our last regular show we did one on the new scoring system for challenge ratings for um, mm-hmm. adversaries mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the and now we're kind of building upon that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so be prepared to have some knowledge dropped on y'all. Yeah. <laughs> we don't claim to be the experts, but we are some of them. Yep. Yeah, some experience. Share with what works, what's been working for us. Mm-hmm. If you're new at this game, you might learn something. If you've been at it for a while, yeah, you can call us, write us, send us a nasty email that yeah. says we've got it all wrong. That's yeah, right. call, call us out on our bullshit. <laughs> That's right. Please, we haven't gotten any emails recently. No. Please call exactly. us out on our bullshit. Yeah. Free. <laughs> hey, if you want to send Stephanie a love letter, address that to Stephanie. He'll make sure she gets it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. I mean, if you have any comments on that joke she just said either. Um, yeah. <laughs> FTN um, does not promote the use of um, telephone. No, forget it. Crossing Tele- um, telephone poles. With, telephone uh, poles to do. I don't know what the hell I was doing with that one, but <laughs> I bet you better not be saying we don't recommend pro- recommend the ducking use of foul language. <laughs> recommend ducking when you do when you do see some, you know, maybe through somebody reaching out to touch you, especially because of COVID. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> Let's move uh-huh. on, please. <laughs> yes. Yeah, all right. <laughs> we'll definitely be, a, be a, more than six feet apart. So <laughs> there is. That. All right. All right. Here well, we go. Let's move right. on. Get on with it. Okay, so that happened, um, but we are now here to boost the signal, everybody, and this is where Stefan finds all the hot new pieces of awesomeness out there on the foundry for us, and um, gives a little review, gives us a little description of what's going on to get you guys excited about it. Um, what you got for us this time, Stefan? All right, we got a few things. Um, I know it's, uh, by the time we're recording this, it's after Halloween, but, uh, for Halloween or any other time, uh, you can make your players scream in fright by running the headless rider of Narek Tower, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> set in the realms of Tyrnoth, uh, but you can adapt it to, uh, your own setting with a few, uh, tweaks and it's suited for a group of four to six players with about 50 to a hundred earned XP. And the invention includes uh, five pre-gen characters. So if you don't have your own or just want to run things on the fly real quick, you've got some. Uh, 20 new adversaries and allies. You've got some of these adversaries as cards as well uh, for, use at, uh, for use at the table. And then all characters and adversaries are supported in the RPG Sessions app too, which is cool, for an easy online play. So links are provided in the module, so you can clone all your own, all of them to your own account and get ready to play in minutes, which is kind of cool. Which is what we've, we've used a couple of times to make our own characters for advantageous threats, the RPG sessions. Yeah. So this is uh, offered by a person called Giri Raman, or Raman, sorry, uh, for four ninety five. There's a link in the show notes. And then we've got our uh, our very popular Chris Markham, always very prolific. Who's that guy? Has just yeah, some guy who 
comes up with a lot of He's stuff done some for stuff, uh, right? Genesis. A few things here and there, you know. Once in a while, he comes up with stuff. And uh, he just released Volume 5 of Treasures of Tiranoth. Wow. Uh, and pretty soon, pretty soon at this rate, he'll have, he'll have more Treasures of Tiranoth uh, than uh, Lord of the Rings movies. So... <laughs> So he, this, in this one, he wrote up 15 magic items that are uh, derived from the Descent board game and expansions. And just like his other volumes and series, each has cool illustration with optional rules for players to create them for only two bucks. Nice. And he's not, through, he's not done yet. He also released three art packs for free to help anyone else out there who, who may want to uh, publish their own Realms of Tyranoth supplements. One is called City Symbols and Other Official Heraldry. So for all kinds of symbols uh, about for the various cities there and nobles, uh, as well as two, uh, two of the including monsters, uh, images. Uh, these are all sold as a pack, but they're in, inside when you buy them. They'll, they're individual PNG images. And some of the picks are actually painted miniatures from various Tyranoth-inspired games like Descent or Rune Wars. So oh, cool. They look pretty cool, yep. And just recently, he also offers uh, the Honorable Heroes, a collection of nine pregens for Terranoth as well, done in the same manner as uh, the uh, FFG pregens that uh, Fantasy Flight Games came out with. Uh two-page character sheets with all the information needed uh, and ready to play. There's even grayed-out sections for using the character as more advanced NPC if you need to. A printly-friendly version of the document is included, uh, along with the grayed-out talents left blank for advancement. And that is also for two bucks. And instead of giving you the individual links for all these products, they, by playing on DriveThruRPG, clicking on Chris Markham's name, it gives you all the stuff that he's come up with, and you can sort them through date added if you want to uh, see the more recent stuff. So the link will be there. So there he goes. Uh, a quick overview of what's, what came out recently. We hope that uh, this uh, has boosted the signal for both Chris and Geary, uh, put uh, something on your radar that's brand new, and a couple of extra dollars in their pockets as well. Encourage the, uh, the community. So there we go for boosting um, the signal. All right. Well, hey, that was a good uh, boost of the signal there, Stefan. Thanks. Um, Thank you. So now we are into the uh, books of Genesis. <laughs> Where we normally break down a section of the Genesis, of one of the books of Genesis, bit by bit. But we are opening up our game mastering playbooks and notes and going to give you some tips and tricks on mastering some encounters, what works for us, um, help you with prep for your games. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're going to go over... Um, different types of encounters and then we'll talk about um how to prep for one shot versus campaign play so uh i guess we want to start what kind of encounters do we have in this game or others well i mean there's a ton but Mm -hmm. the bread and butter ones are the two mentioned in the 
uh, core rule book. Yep. And that is combat encounters and social encounters. Yep. The structured combat, right? Yes. I think they and call social it. encounters can lead into combat. <laughs> Typically <Yep>. round zero. <laughs> yeah. <your> combat encounter, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, one you've heard us do in our actual place and that uh, is common amongst members of the community, and that is the skill challenge, mm-hmm. which uh, works really well for chases as well. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Then we've got investigative encounters with, with your mystery kind of situations or scenarios, and some that are setting specifics, uh, such as hacking, which... Uh, is covered in more detail uh, in the Shadow of the Beanstalk. That's right. Then others, you know, like if you want to do like a tournament, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a wrestling tournament or lumberjack tournament. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, for your lumberjacks out there. Uh, and then uh, maybe vehicle a vehicle race, which I'll be mm-hmm. doing as an actual play here at the start of next year when, I, when mm. it's my turn to run it again. Um so uh well let's get into this and you know tony loving the um loving the acronym for your list for combat encounters why don't you um why don't you kick us off bud right so years ago when i first started playing this i was building encounters and i i came across um this little handy document from the fellas over at the Order 66 podcast that we're doing the Star Wars podcast. And it was just called The List. And it's uh, their list that they use to create um, combat encounters in Star Wars to make them cinematic and feel Star Wars. And um, I kind of, uh, over the years, have expanded on that and created my own little acronym for how I come up with encounters. Um, And I call it uh, rouse, R-O-U-S-E, for rousing combat encounters. And because it's and episode 69, Stefan wanted to say what? Yeah, it's an arousing combat encounter. <laughs> exactly. And I if read you, that. If and you do I, it right. And I read that as rouse, as in rodents of unusual size. <laughs> And I'm like, well, of course you need you need rodents of unusual size in every fucking encounter. That would well, be just awesome. <laughs> so you never know. There might that that might refer to something in our advantageous threats later. <laughs> so uh, we start off with the R in rouse, which is uh, range bands. You set up your range bands in advance that you want for your encounter. Whether you're using maps and minis or theater of the mind, you usually want a space that has at least long range between the two furthest points in the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, melee-centric games, you only need to have medium range uh, encounter space. And uh, for more ranged-focused games, in which characters will have extreme range on their weapons, or everyone has a long-range weapon, then you'll want to have extreme range encounter space. Right. Yeah. So if you're in like a, if you want to have like a, like at a nightclub, have an encounter in a nightclub, you know, end to end would be, you know, medium range, you know, from one end of the nightclub to the other potentially. Right, Tony? If it's Something a small like club, you could have a large club that has could. long range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And mm -hmm. don't forget that a single range band can be added for elevation. Uh, so yep. it may be medium range from one end of the room to the other, but by going for that movement, it's actually considered long range because you have to go up an elevation level. Yep. Right. And diagonally, uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's an that's another part of the range in there is that you include vertical space. Yep. Um, by levels, uh, basements, holes in the floor, uh, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. You know, in Star Wars, you always have the you know the catwalk with no railings. Of yeah, course, the gantries you know. and stuff. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because because uh, you've got those you've got those talents like parkour, right? Where you can move from you know within like a maneuver anywhere within short range, not necessarily at your same level, but you can go up a level, right? So yeah, reaching little areas that would be difficult. I like to see like Jackie Chan in my mind when oh yeah for, for that talent when he's jumping over a, a, a fence just like between a. The, the wall and uh, and a tree just boink boink boink. There he's over the over the fence. Parkour. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the original master of it too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah buddy. Um, so then we move into the O, which is obstacles and conditions. To oh. oh. so provide uh, that's the O in rouse. Mm -hmm. The um, <laughs> provide a list of obstacles that would provide cover or hamper movement. Uh, and create opportunities for you as a GM to throw boost and setback dice into uh, pools, whether those conditions be darkness or smoke or heat or extreme cold or hamper radiation. If you are in a, if you are having an encounter in a laundromat, the hamper, because yeah. you know it's where hamper in, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean come on. clothing hampers, yeah, clothing no, hampers. the rolling kind, yeah, exactly. Those rolling kind, yeah, they, yeah. that way when you fall in one, you can go, hey, diaper lady. Those might offer Hey, might offer boost dice as you're rolling around, rolling along. <laughs> Did I just hear Craig? <laughs> Fuck, where's Craig? <laughs> Craig just. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, uh, and obstacles that they can, you know, these obstacles can be used as cover. They can be used as, um, some of like, if they're portable obstacles, like chairs, tables, things yeah, like battles. that, they can be used as improvised weapons. Yep. Uh, you want to provide a dynamic environment that people can interact with. So that they can spend uh, those, spend that advantage on, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ask for boost dice or impose setback dice. You know the the, the, the trash can spills, and now it's difficult terrain or yeah, yeah especially especially when they grab those talents that remove setback dice, right? Yeah. Um, you'll definitely want to add setback dice to those checks, make them harder, and this is a way of doing it. <clears throat> yep, right something on. more satisfying for a player going. Uh, no, I removed two setback dice. <laughs> exactly. <Because>. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's almost, it's almost as uh, exciting when a player, you get to go, um, wait, can I have a boost die? Because you said this object was here yeah. and that yeah. kind of gives, I think this would give me a boost die. Right. Yep. So now hey, he's under direct light, you know, right that now, kind of thing. any of you um, GMs that are listening to this, and if you do have a player Ask for a boost dice because we listen. I listen to the finding the narrative podcast, and Stefan says always ask for a boost die. That ever happens? Tweet Stefan. I think he would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Let me know what the what Hell, the player asked for. Listen, prepare and listen to a podcast. You're winning already. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> now, ours, um, I don't know if you're winning with that one, but hey, we'll see. <laughs> what we got next here, Tony? Uh, unique results. That's what the U stands for. Make a list of a few potential ways to spend advantage, triumph, threat, and despair. There are, uh, what, 24 different dice results that you can get. A combination of, that's advantage with threat, advantage, or sorry, uh, success with threat, or failure with advantage. 24 different dice results. But the key here is, a little bit of advantage and a triumph, you'll want an entry for each. A little bit of threat and a despair, you'll want an an entry for each. Mm -hmm. Just ways that you can spend them. Just a note. Jot it down on a 3x5 card. Now, Tony, Um, when you you come up with these lists, do you make lists for not only yourself, how you can spend them as a GM? Do you make notes on how characters, my players, could spend them as well? Most assuredly. I have two columns. I have the GM side and the player side. And whenever a player is stumped for something to do, I'll reference that uh, player side and say, hey, well, here's an idea. Uh, And, uh, you know, just one or two results. You don't need much. And uh, just a little note to yourself. Yep. Cool. But it'll make make coming up with uh, narrative results on the fly a little easier because it'll spark your imagination. Mm -hmm. And if you tie those to kind of your story arc or, you know, if it's a skill challenge dealing with some sort of investigation... Um, you know, maybe tie those to that a bit too. Yeah, cool. Very cool. Next, we have the S in rousing, and that is mm-hmm. skill diversity. Think outside the combat skills box and write down a couple uses on that same 3x5 card for non-combat skills that can be used to benefit in the encounter, whether it's uh, hacking to get onto a, um, a computer network to be able to open and close security doors, or whether it's a yeah. uh, mechanics check to knock the wheel off of a wagon and spill a cart um, full of vegetables into the enemy's uh, path as they're nice. charging you. Or maybe a knowledge um, check on maybe vulnerabilities of the target. You know, what, you know, maybe if you're in a fantasy setting, oh, trolls are supposed to be hit with fire maybe you know, and, those kinds and, of things and what and part of that also really think about in if you're running a fantasy setting or a setting with magic really think about ways that spells can be used in that encounter mm-hmm. um the the various different magic skills you know have a note when a player goes i'm stumped for what to do you'll have a suggestion you go well you know and a divine magic check here might come in handy for someone who's got divine magic. And the player that asked whether they have that divine magic skill or not, they'll try it. If they don't have it, the care, the player who does heard you say that. And next round, he's going to roll. There you go. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Or, uh, or a coercion check when after uh, another player has made some kind of impressive, uh, impressive die rolls. Like, yeah, see what my friend can do there. <laughs> yep. yep. Call that call that intimidating the enemy, demoralizing them. Yeah. Toss a couple of st- uh, toss a strain per success when you co- when they coerce somebody in combat mm-hmm. at, at their opponents. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Little ideas like that. Yep. At maybe athletics check if you, if one of your bigger characters want to just push a barrier, but into mm-hmm. into a place that would make cover for you. Yeah. You know? 
in some round or whatever. But remember, every oh, no. time every time you do make a, a skill check, that is considered like the act an action takes yep. up kind of that you know that action. Um, uh, what do you call it? Economy there a bit. So mm -hmm. um, keep that in mind. <clears throat> now, I'll tell you, I had. Uh, recently, I ran Star Wars for you guys, mm. and I ran an adversary. As a GM, I ran an adversary that never once made a single combat check. Yeah, you did. That's <laughs> all you're trying to do is climb out of a hole. <laughs> all yeah. it was trying to do, but it was so big mm -hmm. that the yeah. players being around it was just creating this dangerous yeah. environment that they had to navigate and try and shut it down. It was a big battle. It was a big mining droid uh, that was climbing out of a hole in the ground, just huge, like silhouette three or four. Mm -hmm. And um, my all my players were just at a complete loss. This thing was not attacking them, but it was damaging them by causing falling damage. Yeah, oh, we were it. damaging ourselves yeah. doing that. That's a difficult, difficult <laughs> train. Trying to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying to find to rescue some of some of them that had really. Already fallen, so that causes yep. the other people who failed to fall themselves. That's right. Others so, are trying frantically well, to and, do yeah, other and, things. And, and when your big melee guy only has ten strain mm. as a maximum, and he's already got a couple into it, and he has to fall short range and yeah. takes ten he's strain, out like he's light. out like a fucking light, man. <laughs> was, yeah, that was me, everybody. Dude light switch. <laughs> That's yeah. right. The big dude light switch. Well done, Tony. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah it, it created a very dynamic encounter by, as a GM, me thinking outside of the box and creating a skill check or excuse me, a combat encounter where yeah. my NPC did, or my adversary never, never made, a made a combat check. Only ever was trying to athletics out yeah. of the hole it yep. was in. It was trying to climb. That's yeah, all yeah, it was yeah. doing. Yeah. Cause even it was having some difficulty and the rest of us are trying to to find different ways to, to shut them down or rescue the others. You know, my character had to use a piloting skills for her uh, hover bike to try and get one of the characters out. Someone else trying to do something else. Uh, <laughs> I try to do the I try to do the whole jungle gym. You know, the swing yeah. like Tarzan, but you mm -hmm. know, because of the the line was slippery with hydraulic fluid. Trick, by the yeah. way, everybody go for the hydraulic fluid on a big fucking yeah. ride, By the way, everybody, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> the hydraulic lines. <laughs> So, yeah, but, that was uh, very yeah. cool. That was good. Yeah, so don't just, uh, it's not just for players, is what I was trying to say on the skill diversity. It can be for adversaries as well. Yep. That's it. Uh, last in the rouse of rousing combat encounters is escape routes. And that's the E. Uh, you look to create ways for your players and crafty recurring adversaries to wow. resolve the encounter without everyone on one side ending up dead. Whether overwhelming through reinforcements um, arriving or an environmental decay, such as the ground falling out from under everyone's feet, yeah. or someone flat out escaping, you should always have a way, at least one, that the encounter can end without a field of corpses. Mm -hmm. I mean, because a somebody, field of knocked out bodies, whichever way you want to narrate it. That's right. I mean, somebody can roll double triumphs. That's happened before, and that could be something that could spawn and you know, like a 
the this major decay to the environment, which kind of ends the encounter or whatever at some point. Um, yeah, something big erupts from the ground, and or the, the, the bad guys just you know, while the other characters are busy, he flips a switch on the wall. Oh, wall opens up, and there's a panel, a, a tunnel behind there, and he slips right. in, and he's gone. <laughs> All the lasers on the shark's head start firing at you, mm. distracting mm-hmm. you, and the bad guy gets away. Sharks yep. are laser beams. <laughs> Whether they're actual escape routes or virtual escape from the encounter that your players mm-hmm. can use or you as a GM can use. Either way, build an escape route into every encounter that you build at least one. And that way, if your players see it, they're going to think they solved the you know the, the, the mystery of the Maltese Falcon when mm-hmm. they figure out that this thing that they can do will completely end the encounter. They'll yep. be like, yeah! They're going to cheer that moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you as a GM, you built in the, that inevitability. Mm-hmm. You'll be sitting there snickering under your breath, thinking, hey, "I did it." <laughs> um, but these are ways, and this is just my my little way of saying, "Here's how you make your encounters, combat encounters, right. dynamic, cinematic, and exciting." Right. Yeah, and That's, I love this. Browsing. Yes, browsing. <laughs> definitely rousing that definitely roused the brain a bit tonight how about the yep. next one homie alright well this next one is our five W's for the dynamic social encounters okay so ask yourself these five questions who are you talking to what are you after where does it occur why can't we kill him now that's probably these questions might have to be answered asked from the player's perspective <laughs> and i said and i kind of have a note in here after the why can't we kill him it's like yeah any consequences basically for this being round zero of a combat encounter <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what you're you know what are these consequences and then um and then when will it end you know, and like, and then another thing to keep in mind there is when your adversary is halfway strained, may want to give up a little bit. Something might happen there. Um, they may partially concede the point. Um, so, want to have those noted down. Yep. Now, let's dial into each one of those yeah. and say what it means. Yeah. So, Stefan, you want to go into the first one? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, of course, the easiest one, who are you talking to, is the subject where you're trying to interrogate or convince or coerce. You know, is he uh, someone who has some basic, some vital information, a clue to the next uh, part of the story? Uh, is he just, you know, uh, you want to negotiate a price? Is he a merchant? Sometimes it can be as basic as that. It doesn't have to be big and dramatic, but sometimes, you know. Just want us a special deal on that MacGuffin uh, for your uh, your spaceship, <laughs> right? You want to have make sure you pick the adversary appropriately, or if you're designing the adversary, remember what we did covered in adversary design that if you're making yep. a social adversary, that they should be more focused on the role of uh, attacking socially than on yeah. defending socially. That's it. 
Yep. So skills, the skills that, you know, they'll have maybe talents that focus on the skills used offensively to cause strain to others. But when it comes to the players causing strain, they won't have as high a defense. Right. Okay. Then I guess the most important question is, what are you after? Mm-hmm. I mean, what what is the purpose of the social encounter? Right. There has to be a purpose, and it can be a simple one-line answer. The players are here to negotiate for parts for their starship, right. or yeah. the, the players are here to negotiate between or to stop two warring factions from from fighting. Right. Yeah. And that's and whatever that, that is. Answering that first question almost feeds definitely feeds into the second one could help you answer this question right? correct that's what are you after kind of why i listed them in this order yeah, because you know good. knowing who has the information is almost more important than what information they're after mm-hmm. yep. no exactly i mean for example our last episode the actual play you know you guys interrogated one of the daughters of dr zinn so you know who what were you after? Well, where is Dr. Quest at? <laughs> where is right. the secret? Where is the location of the facility? <laughs> That's right. Now, the next question, where did that occur? That occurred mm. in a casino. <laughs> yes. So that's your set piece there. That would be yeah, your counter. A floating area. casino. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. And then, yeah. you know, and there would be things. You'll want, this. This, you'll want this environment that you do the, where it occurs to be almost as in, a dynamic as your um, combat yeah. encounter spaces. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. You know, I think I just, I tried to describe as well as possible with the images to what the casino looks like, all the atmosphere, the people, oh, yeah. the loud, loud noises. Uh, I think I conveyed that pretty well, I hope. Oh, I had, definitely oh, yeah. had it. Uh-huh. Definitely had it in it. It was a theater yeah. in my mind. That that's I was it. So of. you, you guys had some ideas and even threw a few ideas like, okay, we, we corral her into a uh, yet less crowded space so you can interrogate her in privacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. And I know, Tony, you had one, one um, place that mm. just pops in my head. I think it was our last Star Wars game. Um, there was that Slicer's office where she had the terminals up. They were kind of like the hollow... You know the kind of the hollow hollow net kind of looking display terminals, um, and uh, you I think you might have used those against us during the social encounter. Like, oh hey, check this out, boop, and you pulled up like a video of us or yep. something. So that's you know add more stuff to the encounter that your bad guy, your adversary, can use during it if they get an advantage. You know they could spend it on pulling up, you know, video or. That, that right. just and the in my head. file, yeah, knowledge files about your background of, you know, of the oh, characters. Yeah. Oh, apparently you've got a criminal record. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, those are great ways visual aids that the enemy uses, mm-hmm. whether they um, are or the adversary. Though they tend to be great ways to use uh, threat and despair, yep. or, or rolled by the players, or advantage rolled by the adversary. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So that was our where does it occur. And yeah. Next one, what, what do we have there, Stefan? <laughs> and it says, why can't we kill him or her? <laughs> Multiple reasons. <laughs> Multiple reasons. Sometimes, like, well, we can't kill her because, you know, she hasn't given us the information yet. 
Well, that would be Where is the one. facility? <laughs> Come on. And GMs, if you've run the players that I've had for years, you have to answer this question. Mm-hmm. Why? I have to give a reason as to why my players won't just kill this character outright. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Come on. Um, because if they if they know that they can get the same information from their corpse, mm-hmm. they will do so. Yeah. <laughs> it's more fun that way. <laughs> it makes for it makes for a more exciting social encounter, Tony. <laughs> No, actually, brief. <laughs> there, no, actually, there are some fairly exciting social encounters that we have done that are. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. It's I'm, good stuff. And, you know, it's and I mean, one of the reasons why you can't kill him is because you'd ki- get killed yourself because, you know what? We were just escorted through a warehouse into a back room with the whole freaking gang is here. Right? Yep. Um, yep. Like my first actual play that I did for the show with the primordial machina and you guys were escorted past all those gang members to the gang leader where the social encounter actually occurred. And you knew had, you had that entire gang outside. Uh huh. Uh -huh. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 Now a fight to go back out. Can't always use that one though, because your social encounter will turn into a TPK if you do. Sometimes there is that <laughs> yep. There's a fine line <laughs> between a well-balanced social encounter and a TPK. Is that what you're saying? No, <laughs> no I'm saying if you use the threat of violence, overwhelming violence against your players too often, eventually they're going to test you. Yeah. 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 Like, you'll, oh, you'll, I'm tired of this. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to smack him down with that stick for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And then last but not least, we have When Will It End, homie? And you talked about it, so why don't you finish talking about it? Yeah, I mean, my the, basically, um, you know, we mechanically speaking, it typically would end when your adversary or all of the players <laughs> um, are at their max, are, they reach their strain threshold, right? Um, but part, partway through it, it could end partway through it if the players have enough information. Um, if your adversary has less than half or, or has over half of their um, strength threshold taken already, they might start yeah. giving up some information and that might be enough for them to end the encounter and be prepared for yeah. that. Um, yeah. If they want to end it, then feel free. Um, or, or if one of the characters receives some really bad news, like uh, that uh, a loved one might be the, uh, threatened with death. It's like, all right, pff, chop this guy's head off. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was more of, a, the wall. More, of a, more of a big, yeah, I mean, do- punch, do- fist through a yeah. ISB agent face, but you know, yeah. that's besides the point. <laughs> no, exactly, it ended the encounter. That's for sure. Oh, it sure did. <laughs> oh, it did. Well, you know, I had to roll despair for that to happen too, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, other ways besides this, the the hitting the threshold, um. Or hitting kind of halfway to that threshold. Yeah. If well, if there if there is a revelation at some point, and that's what you were talking about there, the character had a revelation moment that he needed to be elsewhere. Yep. Yeah. Now, whether he just left the encounter, or whether he killed the guy and then left the encounter, was moot point. There was a revelation 
that happened in the middle of that social encounter that caused a character to bow out completely out of the the encounter. Yeah. Um, triggered with a despair, but you can have those built in as a GM. Um, you know, again, like I said, social encounters, just like combat encounters, have a couple of things that you want to spend despair and triumph and advantage and threat on, and have one of those be a revelation moment. Where this, if this character plays their character to the letter like they normally would, this is where they're going to bow out of this encounter. They're gonna, they're gonna want to get flee, or they're gonna want to, you know, uh, attack, or they're gonna yeah. want to have whatever it may be. Well, yeah, well, that's it. Which reminds me of the other point about social encounters. You want also to take a note of the character's motivations. Oh yeah. Yes. Strengths and strengths and flaws, uh, fears and desires, because right. that can be played against the players. The players can, if they discover what motivates the NPC, that can also right. uh, enter into uh, into account. And you and you'll want to have that defined, like Stefan said. You want to have that defined yeah. for your adversary that, that's, that's running this encounter. Maybe even the mooks that are around him too, right? Like some of the guards might be in the room too, right? You, if you, yeah. you, you might, you might, might turn have... to one of the guards and pull on their fears like, hey, like, okay, perfect, the... perfect social encounter here. Episode of Firefly, they offer Jane more money than what these guys are paying him. <laughs> Found out what that, what his motivation was, pulled on it, and he turned on him. Boop! That totally, yeah. almost, pretty much ended the, the encounter right there. Right? Yeah. So you'll want to Maybe have that in there. Well, that's it. Some for, for some, sometimes for minions or even some rivals, you might not have to get all four motivations, but a couple of motivations, you know, greed, fear uh, of the of the the boss or uh, something like that, at least to get an idea of why they're there. Uh-huh. Whereas a nemesis would be, it behoove you to at least get the uh, the four motivations out there, the broad lines to get an idea. Yep. Yep. Get the DFSF. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Desire, fear, strength, flaw. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> those acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm always shorthanding, and I'm, I'm when I create encounters, I write them down on three by five cards, yep. or I, I create a little document file with just as much, little as little information as I need to, to to make it successful. And that's one of the things you know. Each adversary has a DFSF. Uh, underneath it for a social encounter just so that you know as a gm okay it's a one word description mm-hmm. at least yeah so the way because those can come into play uh in social encounters definitely yeah anything else we want to talk about for social encounters mm-hmm. mood music no. <laughs> that helps yeah that could help. combat a lot of times music can be very distracting But I found that if you have a social encounter in a bar setting or in a, you know, in a, say, a arena setting, Mm -hmm. um, you could have some background noise and mood music to kind of get players in the mood Mm -hmm. to what's going on around them. Immerse them a bit. Immerse Mm -hmm. them a bit. (laughs) Social encounters are really good for mood music. Cool. That could be nice, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's a good suggestion there. All right, so All right. what do we have next? Next is something uh, you mentioned earlier, the uh, interesting skill challenges. 
which is like Tony says, something that uh, players have introduced ever since, like way back in even in Star Wars games before Genesis came out. So, what are skill challenges exactly? Well, go a quick uh, a quick overview. Yeah, if, I mean, if you want to, they're 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 real well described in the GM's Eclectic Toolbox, page eleven. Mm-hmm. But um, there's um, there's a number that you have, which is your threshold. That's a number of total successes that you need to succeed at the encounter. And then there's a number, which is your fuse, which is a number of total failed checks that you need to fail at the encounter. Yeah, not necessarily failures, but failed checks. Correct. And then there's a list of skills that are best used for the encounter. And that's really how a skill challenge is written up. Exactly. It's the, the basics. I've read a little bit about it, and Tony especially has uh, run us through quite a few of them, Where whether it's trying to find a way through a battlefield to another area uh, so we can escape on a frozen planet or just trying to get some information. An uh, investigation, yeah. Uh, yeah, an investigation or how to get a layout of a building so we can try and infiltrate it. Yeah, a heist. Different characters you yeah, different you characters can, use different skills. Yep, you could do a complete heist with a skill challenge and kind of narrate yeah. through it. Um, well that's it. From yeah, the outside right. security, use, the staff, the layout uh-huh. to And you uh, could use any and the and the idea behind these, which I really like these, because it really helps players who haven't um, necessarily might might be new to the system to really think outside of the box and use all your skills instead of oh I need to use stealth I need to use this or that I mean, you can maybe use your knowledge skills or a survival skill or whatever yeah, it may street, be but any skill can be wise. used in these yeah any skill can be used in these typically a hard difficulty but like Tony mm-hmm. said you'll want a handful of these four to six of them that make that a little easier and typically I think we do like an average difficulty with those um, if you use those skills now everyone gets a try the way we've wor- we've run it is that every player gets it gets a try and then we go to the next quote unquote round but you can't mm-hmm. use the same skill twice twice in a row by the in same the player challenge. yeah in the challenge not in a row but you just can't use the same you're, mm. you're, the player can't can't have their character use the same skill twice in the encounter you have to use something right. else so that's pretty good yep and so when you're building these gms You'll want to decide what it is to succeed at the encounter and what is the cost of failure. So in this case, you know, the um, a good, good example Stefan used of me, the, the one I ran on my Hoth adventure where you guys were trying to do a skill challenge to escape a busy battlefield and get to your starships and get off planet. Mm-hmm. The... The, the question was not whether you would get to your starships or not. The question would be when, when you got to your starships. With a successful check, you got there before the ground reinforcements arrived and you didn't have to fight your way off the planet. Right. Uh, if you arrived after, then they, you know, they had showed up and you would have to uh, do vehicle combat on the ground before you could do 
space combat getting away. Right. Um, and so it's, it's a simple, what does it mean to succeed? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to fail the, the skill challenge and mm-hmm. the skill challenge shouldn't, should never be, well, they, they don't get the piece of information they need. It right. should always be the skill challenge sets the condition, successful skill challenge sets the condition for a later encounter. Whether that's bypassing it or, uh, in this case, you know, bypassing the ground combat battle, uh, or uh, maybe, you know, a good example, uh, the heist that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were successful, you got the item you wanted and you got out of there. If you were unsuccessful, you got the item you wanted, but you were either caught on camera or you were uh, the police arrived right as you finished it. Now you've got to try and do another skill challenge to get away from the cops. Yep, um, that's it. Or, um, you know, another one is... Um, players trying to get to something before a enemy dis, uh, damages it. Uh, something that they need and a MacGuffin that they need before an enemy damages it, right? right. Yeah. Um, I simply because, did. Oh, go ahead. Because if that enemy damages it, then you're going to have to spend time and money repairing it before you can use it, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I ran, when I ran um, Salvage, for you guys in my in, in that um, that skill challenge to figure out where you needed to go to get right. to salvage, there wasn't a question of you guys. I knew you guys were gonna um, know where you're gonna go. Pass fail meant whether you would arrive. Success would mean you would arrive and notice the sentries were already there, mm. kind of wandering around where you guys needed to mine and you can maybe ambush them. But you guys right. failed it. You guys still found with your advantages. That's why I threw out because it looked like because I early on I threw out. Okay, here's a here's a map. You have a rough idea of where you're gonna go, um, but since you guys failed it, um, I had you guys get ambushed at the end. There. Well, that's so. it. So yeah, so it moves the story forward still, mm-hmm. but with a complication. Yep. 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 And, and the, then I the do. S- go ahead. The skills you choose. Are they, you know, they have to be relevant. You always have a reason why that skill would be used. And uh, the reason why would be, well, succeeding on the skill, I will give this piece of information or I will give them this clue that they can build upon. Uh, And that's if this type of skill is used. A good example, uh, the heist, if you're using, you know, computers. Okay, well, now you've got the floor plans to the place. If you're using Skullduggery, okay, now you've got the security cameras shut off. Those little bits that you're using, though, you want to have the, every skill on the list have a, what does it mean to succeed on that skill check, too? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, and then the, any other skills that are not on the list, well, because the, the player has to sort of explain why you would use it, uh, how it would be relevant. But if it makes sense, then you can use it, but a little bit more difficult because it's not one of the main skills, you know, right. an obvious skill. 
-hmm. And this is a great opportunity. Skill challenges are a great opportunity for you to uncouple skills. Um, mm -hmm. there, there comes a time when you always will have this. If you've run enough games, you'll have that big burly character who wants to use coercion, but he wants to put a gun or a, or a knife or an axe or a hammer on someone's mm -hmm. face. And so he what? will be using his, you know, presence with a weapon skill, or he'll be using his brawn with a coercion skill. Yep. Um, yeah. Think outside the box when your players decide they want to do that. Play with it, GM. Um, I think that yeah, I, I think that's what we did. I think that's what we did during that interrogation with Mass, the big Dewootin that I had. Um, yeah. I basically what I what I did is I I explained to Tony. All right, Tony, this is what I want to do. I have this big ass wrench in my hand. This guy's hanging, and I just want to hit the thing above him to make it just ring ring through his body right the vibrations of the chains holding him up um ring through his body and i want to yell this into his face uh coercion but i kind of want to use my melee i kind of want to hit something so i think you you said all right brawl with your or um no i think you told me brawl plus brawn, coercion brawn plus your brawn. ranks and coercion yeah yeah so and yeah and we did it, and it worked out pretty good, actually. Actually, I fucking yeah. missed, but <laughs> I think that's what I, I knocked down Jamie's yes, character. But, yeah, but threat. you got advantage. I'm like, no, I so didn't. Oh. I think I got, I oh. failed with threat, and I think I knocked Jamie's character back. So it was a freaking Keystone freaking cops, man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, I wanted to use bad cop, but no, didn't quite work. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's that's another thing. And uh, last I'll note, um, when it comes to, again, settings with magic, um, if magic is going to be used, uh, magic has narrative uses, and they all have a base difficulty. But when magic is used to get something that can be accomplished via another skill... So if you're if they're just using magic, if magic is listed in magic use, you know, let's say, um, a, arcane, right? Uh, yeah, arcana, and um, let's say um, cursing something is is a the curse mechanic of uh, arcana is uh, what two difficulty normally Some for, the base, for the base for the base. And if that's one of your skills on the list, expect that a player is going to do that. Now, however, if they're using the attack version, the attack version only starts at one basic difficulty. Mm -hmm. You're doing a narrative use. It's going to be whatever the encounter level is. If the magic skill is listed mm -hmm. and your standard average difficulty, that's going to be your difficulty. Don't go with the book's hard-coded right. magic difficulty. Uh -huh. But if they're using magic outside of the box that you've designed let's say you don't have magic skill listed but a player decides they want to use that curse instead of a coercion well then increase that difficulty by yeah. one because you're it's going to be hard like it because it's outside of your list of skills but then it's also going to be daunting because the rule applies when using a magic skill it, for something other that could be accomplished with a regular skill always increase the difficulty by one right yep like if you're and even so those have codified um 
mechanics in combat, the the utilities um, action for spells doesn't. But there are some things in the book to tell you about that as well. So if you wanted to use, if you wanted to say, pick a lock from a distance using skullduggery, normally you would use skullduggery for that, right? Um, and yeah. if that's on your list of skills um, to be like an average check, well, if he wants to use Arcana to do that utility spell, well, that'll be a hard check, even though you're doing exactly. effectively the same thing. Um, yeah, just using a different skill mm-hmm. for it, so. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. Good, good that's what I was. Good that's what I was man. getting at. Yep. And use hard coded uh, book rules for combat skills. If uh, someone, you know, yeah, I want to get, I want to pull out my gun in a close situation. I want to use it in hand to hand. There's hard coded um, using a hand a weapon in engaged range, a sh- uh, range light weapon at engaged range is too difficult. It's just use the hard coded ones. It's easier for players and for GMs if you just think of, mm-hmm. okay, you're firing at long range with a gun. I don't care what I said um, of the encounter difficulty. You're firing mm-hmm. at long range with a gun. That's, mm-hmm. you know, hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. yep. Yeah. For these skill challenges, for sure. Yeah. So. Excellent. Very nice. All right. All right. Last one is, uh, well, not the last one, but the next one is mm-hmm. one that I kind of take personally to do. I try to create a lot of um, mystery in some of my investigations. And I, I look to the very, as the prime, primal, just like perfect investigation encounter I ran was um, over on the, our friend Jamie's podcast or YouTube channel, the the uh, the brewery i yep. ran you guys through shadow of the beanstalk and there was a murder that you guys had to solve yep uh cool. right from the get-go it was the opening encounter of the and it set the tone for everything and uh, it did. um the when building a good mystery or investigation you have to know um you have to have a list of things that you know uh as a gm you just you should have them all right there at your fingertips so that when you're leading players there with clues, you're giving them little bit by bit. Number one, you have to know what the mystery is. In this case, it was there's a body, and the body is was supposed to have something on it that you're supposed to retrieve. Why is there a body, and where did it go? Those were the, the big mystery, right? Mm-hmm. Um the other thing that you may not reveal in this encounter is who knows the answers to these questions? Who knows the truth? Yep. A list of everyone that knows that will come into play later in the adventure is key. Yep. Uh, then applicable skills, much like a skill challenge, you want skills that you'll tell your players are going to be used for investigations. Great ones to use. Perception, vigilance, are the bread and butter knowledge uh, knowledges streetwise streetwise negotiations Mm -hmm. um if it's a futuristic uh, setting computers would probably be a good one right to pull down mm -hmm. video camera feeds that kind of stuff skullduggery definitely um uh, and uh believe it or not medicine if you're doing forensics work absolutely Mm -hmm. and then coupled 
medicine coupled with a knowledge check, you know, would be good. You yeah, know? knowledge science, well, that's another way to do a forensics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can if use... If you're, like, doing... If you're, like, doing, like, ballistics test, uh, right. knowledge science. Right, right. Um, Figuring out, how did they break into this place, right? You can use... Well, perception or vigilance could be a good one. But, like you said, skullduggery would be a good one. You have the knowledge to break into things. Well, what does it look like when I break into something? Well, you know, mm-hmm. you can use that, right? And investigations are a great way to use skills in unique ways mm-hmm. that you don't normally get an opportunity to do so. Right. I've had one investigation where a player actually used his ranged heavy to determine the caliber of a bullet that had hit something. Why not? Uh, that's cool. That's a good one. And of course, it was ranged heavy coupled with intellect instead of agility. Yep. 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 Yeah, and uh, those but, and those and those those combat skills. I mean, you could use that to see, to say, you know, how did this person die? Was this with a sword thrust or was it a cut with an axe? Melee within intellect, yeah. right? If you wanted. Yep. So, what to have a good investigation, uh, you're going to want to have clues. Mm-hmm. And um, there's there's two co- types of clues. One I call, you know, the key clues. This list is the, the clues that you're going to give away that lead to the solving of the mystery. And they're going to be given away at a rate of one per uncanceled success or one per successful check, and whichever the, you prefer. All right. So those, so those clues, Tony, that, those would be the, you know, clue A leads to clue B, leads to clue C, leads to mystery solved kind of thing, right? Right. But you don't even necessarily have to give them in that order. Right. It's, it's not a... It, there's not necessarily an order to that list. Um, now, you want to decide whether you're going to give those out at a rate of one per success, uncanceled success, or one per uh, successful check. But it depends on how big of a list you have. Right. Um, and then the other category I like to call extra credit. Yeah. <laughs> um, these are going to be uh, clues that uh, are... Details that'll give away a little bit more information, but not integral to solving the mystery. They may be usable later in the adventure. They may be just great ways to fill in the blanks of knowledge um, that your players are getting about your world that you spent forever um, building or whatever. Yeah. Um, There's a small list of ways the triumphant advantage on players' checks can be used to uncover unrelated details. Yeah, and if you're running a campaign, you can use use some of this triumphant advantage for for long term. You know, you know, this this person is now a contact that you might know and trust for later on. Right, and the GM may want to make that despair that their players roll for mm. later. Mm. <laughs> and then, um, so here's a question for you, Tony. And this kind of spawned my 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 next. You know, I I kind of added to, to the notes here related to um, if your players do fail all of these checks and they're just sucking because I've had we've had those nights where we just aren't succeeding at all what do you do in that case when it's these clues that we're not picking up how do you how do you do that so that you're not writing yourself into a corner halting the adventure progress well you should always have 
a back door to the information. Gotcha. Um, and that is whether that is a a new adversary comes into the situation to antagonize things. Okay. Um, uh, like um, in this case, the murder mystery that I had you guys do, had you not succeeded on it, um, the cops would have taken over the investigation and the one cop that was the, the investigator's friend mm-hmm. would have been like, hey, you know, the other day when you guys were on that mystery, you know, I, I kind of this, that, and the other. And he's like, here's all the clues we found. And I kind of need your help. So they would, he would then come to you and ask for help gotcha. with all the clues that you missed. And still, you would get them all. But you would gotcha. get them later. And so it so would time. delay the sequence of events because that adventure was laid out in a sequence. This happens, this happens, this happens. It was called 48 hours to midnight. Yep. I had everything on a timer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, in that one, getting things in a timely manner was key. If you didn't get them in that timely manner, you'd still get them. Eventually it would just come via an outside source, whether it's an anonymous tip, right. whether it's um, mm-hmm. an, an an adversary comes in and decides to start shit. That's right. Um, whether it's, late. you know, maybe if you had that clue earlier, you wouldn't have gotten it ambushed. And that's the, right. that's the, that's the consequence for failure. Yeah. Cool. Okay. You should never stall a campaign or a single one shot with an investigation. It should not stall if they fail at the investigation. Nope. It should move things forward regardless. Just, it will determine what happens next mm-hmm. in a way it gives it context. Gotcha. Gotcha. And my, my, my note here was also maybe giving free details or clues based on ranks and appropriate skills. Um, that kind of might lead to your description of the room. Like say somebody has a rank in, um, I don't know, knowledge occult. And you're coming into a library and as you're describing the library, um, you describe, you know, you got the books, you've got the desk, and um, you, and you point out, point to the character who has that one rank in a cult, um, notice some strange symbols that might, that you may have seen in the Necronomicon or whatever the hell, right? And then that might spawn them to start thinking, oh, let's search for the Necronomicon. Do they have a copy here? Or mm. let's pull it up online. <laughs> Right. Well, that's great ways I mean, to. Like that's great ways to give your players number one an idea of what skills you want them to be rolling, uh, and it's also a great way to you know to highlight, hey, you've spent a lot of XP exactly. getting those three ranks in that skill. Mm-hmm. If a if a player has three ranks in a skill, they've either spent a lot of their starting um, free ranks. Mm-hmm. You know, the racial one and the one you get for your skills. Mm-hmm. So they've doubled down on yep. a skill at character creation and then spent 15 XP. Or they've spent between 15 and 30 XP or 35 XP um, Depending. to get, mm-hmm. yeah, 15 of what, 45, sorry, to get to that point. So they've mm-hmm. invested a lot of their XP to get to that point. If they got three ranks in something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shoot them a freebie now and again. Well, yeah, they had to have spent at least, you know, fifteen XP to get that third rank, right? Which is almost a whole session of XP that you would reward. You'd reward anywhere right. between ten, maybe twenty XP. So, 
yeah, rewarding your players with that is a good, good thing. Could yep. be good. Yep. Great idea. Stefan, you have a note here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I added, uh, it was a different take uh, on it, about investigating in the Eclectic Toolbox. They talk a little bit about that on page nine. Cool. And he suggests, like, especially if the characters are not in a hurry, there is no immediate danger. They look for clues in a room. They're going to find practically everything. Just don't set a difficulty, just a simple difficulty, which means no difficulty die. And for every success they get, they get more information. Oh, if you want to like run it as a quick investigation. Yeah. Yeah. So I not worry about them while well, they're going to fail. So uh, I have to find out, uh, give them ways to find the information later on. It's like, no, if it's not, you know, uh, in dire duress or anything like that, and no one opposes them. Right. They're going to find it, you know, maybe successes. They find it fairly quickly and so forth. And before maybe uh, the next uh, round of security guards comes by into that office, like, yeah, it's, we can find plenty of information and be off in our way. Gotcha. That's so, interesting. Yeah, That's so, an interesting take on it for sure. Yeah. Like yeah. your level of your level of success gives you the level of detail. Well, that's it. He has a little, exactly. And he, he lists like a four tiers of how much information uh, you would get. You know, the, like four successes would be the maximum where you get like a lot of the information. Not only do you find maybe just a page of a of a book with uh, arcane runes on it, but you, you actually find the book itself. There you go. Like shortcuts, if you will, to the yeah. next step maybe in the mystery. Yeah. Well, that's it, because that's not, you know, stalling the adventure just because someone just failed that. That's anticlimactic. You want them to move forward, go to uh, the, the final mystery and uncover it, and then either battle the uh, the bad guy or uh, get him arrested or... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yep. And remember, and any time you, you call for skill checks, you know, nine times out of ten, you'll want to have a, the reason for that skill check already kind of in your mind and there, you know, and having there be a consequence for failure, you know, that's mm-hmm. why you're making them make the check. Right. And there's a difficulty. If there's no consequence for failure, don't even have, don't even waste your time. Just give no, the information no. or whatever. Right. I mean, it's, and a lot of times. Yeah. Especially if they, like I said, there's no risk of them being yeah. attacked. There's no danger in the room. Right. You know, there's no traps. Investigation is kind of its own beast in a way too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, it can be uh, fun to run as a whole encounter, or it can be resolved as a single check. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. So there right. we go. A, lot a few of different ways. Things. Moving on. So we have setting specific uh, encounters that we've gone into, like for Shadow the Beanstalk, we did an entire show, two whole shows, on hacking. Yep. Um, we have done an entire show for our setting. Um, on the mentalism rules uh, and how we were going to do mentalism for our uh, Tales of the Epsilon Eclipse, which is going to be a separate type of encounter. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, there's other stuff. What do you got? You've got some notes here, homie. I have, and I, I, have think, a, uh, I have a couple notes. Yeah, there's, so there's one, um, and I mentioned it a little earlier when we were going through this. Um, <laughs> I've written on here, Lumberjack Tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, would you do it as a skill challenge? Would you do it as combat? Would it be a structured encounter or a mixture of both? 
um, I don't know. I feel, you know, if I so what you would want to do so something like that. If you want to do that sort of a tournament or a wrestling tournament, um, yeah. or uh, I don't know what other log, kinds of tournaments would a you log, want to do a, a, a log rolling event. You know, that's a kind of a combat. You're opposed by someone else. Well, that that's that's it might take a couple of. That's coordination yeah. straight up. The climbing yeah. the pole. True. That's athletics. Yeah. Axe throwing. That's easy. Yeah. That's range light. You know? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you're, but you want to think about these things. You're talking about a competition, right? Yes. So then you're doing competitive checks. Yes, you That's are. the key. Yep. You're yeah, running absolutely. a skill challenge, so to speak, but you're running it with competitive checks. Mm-hmm. And so your competitors, your adversaries are going to have they're going to be your fuse. Um, you have X amount of rounds, so to speak. You know, this is going to be a five-round lumberjack tournament, and the events are going to be X, Y, Z, A, B, and C. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and your opponent for X is going to be this guy, and uh, total number of successes you roll versus total number of successes he rolls, uh, and so on and so forth. You can go each round, you can track success, mm-hmm. but the overall at the end winner mm-hmm. or placing of yep. various opponents is going to be based on total number of successes opposed by those opposing characters being adversaries or other players, yep. uh, total number of successes. So that would be a series of competitive checks. And that's the way I'd run it. Any kind of tournament, whether it's a, Mm-hmm. Whether it's a Mortal Kombat tournament, yep. whether it's a, a lumberjack tournament, you know, Keith Kappel gave us that um, ready fight supplement, and he's yeah. got rules for tournaments in there. They were competitive checks. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. A chess tournament. Yeah. Whatever. Magic <laughs> yeah. duel. Yeah. Yeah. Magic duel. Yeah. There you go. That's cool. So no. it would be a series of checks. Uh, if you're doing like a Harry Potter magic tournament, um, yeah. you know, you're the Triwizards Cup, right? Right. So, yeah, or, you know, Quidditch tournament. You know, you, that's going to be a series of checks and they're going to be, um, they're going to be a scoring. They'll be scoring. You'll have to keep track of points and scoring and those kinds of things. Um, so the other thing that I have here and is a vehicle race, um, only I, I was thinking of it only because I ran it. I've ran Jewel of Yavin. This was inspired by the Jewel of Yavin Star Wars RPG adventure. I converted it for 5e, which worked really well. They had a lot of fun. Thank you guys for putting up with my shit. Um, but I know you guys enjoyed it. Um, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, so, long story short about like these vehicle races, um, the way they did it in Jewel of Yavin, which I would do, which I'm actually going to do in the speed buggy attorney or race that he's going to invite people to um, is going to be breaking up the track so to speak into different segments um, throwing a couple that have a unique feel okay and then um, and then every segment you'll have everybody make in this case it will be a driving check um, the jewel of Yavin it was piloting checks um, yep. and then um if they're going the same speed, they're in considered the same range band of each other, right? Um, total number of successes gives you that placing at the end of the segment. Um, and then uh, 
the leader that's in their range band would get boost dice to kind of go to the on their next checks. Um, you can give setback dice to people in the in the back. You can spend those advantages and triumphs and threat and despair to kind of cause havoc on others. You know, running into people, collisions, add that kind yeah. of stuff in there. Um, and one thing that they did unique to the Jewel of Yavin is um, they had this place value that they gave for every segment. So whatever speed you're going, that segment, that gets added to this total value, this rolling total. And that determines basically your final overall winner. And then I I think when when I ran that, I think that's on the brewery as well, that race. Yep. Yep, <laughs> I think that might, have, that might have ended with your opponent's role in despair. So it was kind of a no-brainer on my part <laughs> to end the race yeah. that way and have you guys <laughs> be the winner. Um, but then there Actually, we didn't win the race. Our, no, you didn't. Our, you wanted to make another, sure somebody did. That's right. Someone else who, who helped right. us out. Yeah. So we made them win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so having a little bit of mystery leading up to the race is one yeah. thing. Um, skill challenge before that. To mm-hmm. fuck with the other players. To mess up their, you know, to fix your, your ride or mess up somebody else's yeah. ride. Um, yeah, or mess up their minds like, oh, maybe I'm not good enough yeah. to pilot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, the, and this Confidence. was this was a, an encounter, but it took a while, and these segments were your rounds in the encounter. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great resource if you if is. you are out there, you have it. You can very easily reskin it as a you know a dinosaur riding race, or you can <gasps> in in the Taleta half planes or whatever if you're running an Eberron adventure. Maybe um, you should maybe you should run the race in Conan the or uh, Thunder of the Barbarian on our horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and uh, also like like Chris, you, you also made sure that even those characters that were not physically in the race had something to do because my character yes. was the pilot. Jamie's character was my co pilot slash gunner. Mm-hmm. But Daryl's character was not in the race per se, but she did things anyway. Yeah, uh, she did. Give everyone a roll. Yeah, Give everybody a roll. And I think I may have had Daryl roll for some of the competitors too. Or just always allies, great. or, because, or yeah, rivals slash allies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. I think I may have had him make the piloting checks for that for that right. group you wanted yeah. to win. Um, and of it. course, I kind of got to count it. I wanted to count on Daryl to roll his despairs. Damn it, he was rolling good that night. <laughs> yep. But so anything else you guys could think of? Anything setting specific? Is there any setting specific other than the lumberjack tournament in in Tales of the Epsilon Eclipse? Yeah, the mentalism. the mentalism. Oh, the mentalism, that. which That's we true. kind of we yeah, kind of mentioned that we're reskinning a little bit of the hacking kind of rules, but tweaked enough that uh yep. it's just inspired by it so cool. we'll go through that probably in another episode more in depth nice we haven't already well right. the last thing i wanted to inco- uh, cover uh before we move on yeah. uh was the fact that you know we had talked at the very top of this segment about you know one shot versus campaign play Mm-hmm. And a, the key thing when in, in counter design for a one shot, now campaign play, you have as long as you want. You know, you're meeting every week, every two weeks, whatever. If your encounter encompasses two sessions, so be it. Who cares? Let yeah. it, let it yeah. naturally take its course. Mm-hmm. In a one shot, you don't exactly have that, so you have to design 
your combats to be three rounds or less, your social encounters to be uh, about the same, rough, roughly three rounds or less, um, your skill challenges to be ones that your characters are going to fail or succeed at in three or four rounds. And each encounter, you know, one shot you usually have, you usually have three to four hours as a yep. block. Now, I've heard of places that run one hour one shots. That's that's downright, you know, speedballing it. That's crude. <laughs> <laughs> you're I mean, doing that, one encounter and you're done. Yeah. Uh, for Typically that. at your uh, con- at your conventions. Now, no, there's not a whole lot of conventions this year, but those are anywhere ooh. between what three and four hours, like you said. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, even the virtual conventions. Hours. Yeah. But yeah. if you're one running a one shot for you know a party for a group of friends that you you know mm-hmm. want to introduce Genesis to that never played it before, right? Yeah. You have to include 30 minutes to an hour to teach the game. Yeah. Uh, if you have new players, yeah. then your encounters three, if you have th- figure 15 minutes around three to four rounds is 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Hours uh, is, good, is a good estimate. Yeah. You know, and, and then changing between encounters is, you know, five, 10 minutes. Something like that. Or, yeah. you know, so putting yourself to where you have that three to four hours, you should never have more than three encounters, three solid encounters mm-hmm. uh, in there. Unless, But if you do, make one optional. Yes. Uh, make oh. one, one that you wouldn't, you know, you don't have to include. Right, that they no. can skip if you want, maybe. Yeah. yeah. If you're short on time. Yep. Yeah, but if you, even if you want to, let's say, touch on, let's say, a combat, social encounter, and a skill challenge, like one, sometimes if you think you're not going to run long, you know, end the combat early. It's like, okay, we've gone through a couple of rounds of combat, you get an idea, especially when, when it's an intro. Okay, you, mm-hmm. you've managed to defeat the bad guys. Move on to the social encounter if you want. If yeah. it's just for Build. teaching purposes, that's fine. Yeah. You know? Build in to your final encounter a method to end it early mm-hmm. was the last yeah. note I was going to say. Nice. Um, yep. Particularly, you know, you're going to run short on time. Um, something explosive, dynamic, something that's going yeah. to give it that big explosive ending that we all love in films that you're going to love in a one shot. Give that final encounter a way to be ended to cut it short and yeah. be that's still be yeah. exciting. Yep. Well, that's it. Absolutely. And I recommend when you are, and Stefan, you mentioned all th- the main three types of, of encounters mm-hmm. here. If you're teaching Genesis, if this is going to be for a group that has never played before, have one combat encounter, one social encounter, and have a skill challenge built in so that you can really uh, give them that experience because it's not all about combat, you know, for nope. sure. Um, the, social, the, the, the social encounters might take a little bit for somebody to kind of wrap their head around, but they're fun and they're very rewarding when when you when they're done right and people get it when people start getting it. It's really cool. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I don't recommend doing the social encounters to start because you're going to have the awkward part of people trying to role play mm-hmm. and get to know the dice in the system. That's true. So I would yeah. recommend if you're dealing with a lot of new players to, to roll the social encounter first. Mm-hmm. Maybe a quick quick combat to get them used to rolling die rolls. True. Or maybe, least, yeah. maybe 
a small skill challenge to get them used to thinking outside of the skill box, you know? Yep. Um, I'll tell you. Those, those are great icebreaker encounters. Yeah, and I'll tell you, the the Star Wars RPG did it right in the beginner box, the um, Escape from Oz Shut Up beginner box adventure. If you could get your hands on it, that is a great way that they built up mm-hmm. the narrative dice system, introducing it, right? You know, they had a very simple check to start with, made it more complicated, you know, with the, you know, introducing the advantage and threat and such on the, on the second encounter. You can run it like that. You can run something like, like that, but that's something you, it's a good resource to, to get a hold yeah. of if you can. Yeah. I, w- I played in the, that scenario twice with different players, a few different players, and both of them were very, very different. Yes. Because of you know the dynamic uh, between each other and the players themselves, how they approached it. One of them was much more direct. Some of us were more direct. The other one was a lot of charms and distractions and stuff. And <laughs> yep. we, we and both we managed to get <laughs> the object the objective, but very differently. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yep. It's always good. Very nice. Very nice. Um, so and then, and then the last thing I want to know is um, so for one shots if you're using maps and minis um, if you're gonna do uh, if you're gonna do maps and minis uh, your range bands know in advance because your players are gonna ask if you're using a map that has squares on it or a grid on it mm-hmm. know how many of those is equal to a range band because your players are gonna ask yeah. Um, <laughs> Just have it in in your mind in advance. You've drawn out your map in advance, or you're drawing it on the scene. Know how many squares is engaged range, you know, from a player, or how many squares in your mind. So it could be nebulous, but if you if they have that on there, you should have it already in your head because your players are going to ask. Right. <laughs> and if you've come from the D Shift Seven D. Um, the rule of thumb that I normally use is, you know, 30 feet, six squares is short range. Um, double that, you know, 60 feet is like medium range, um, that medium range band. And then up to 120 feet is your long range, maybe 200 depending, you know. But anything over yeah. maybe say 200 is like extreme range and such. I mean, that's one thing that I kind of use. <clears throat> yep. Right. Now, if you're just running theater of the mind, yeah, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> exactly. It's like, no, the other side of that bar is medium range. If he's on this side of the yeah, bar, that's, that's short range. That's but I can it. tell you, <laughs> players won't be taking pictures of your table. No. If you run a theater of the mind. No, they no, don't. No. <laughs> Unless they have powers of mentalism. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, that's in a nutshell. You guys got anything else you want to add to this entire conversation? Uh, no, I think, we, um, I think we covered most of it, yeah. if not everything. And if we haven't, listeners, you know, write in. Write, please. Yeah. Hey, you yes. missed now. This, <laughs> this is what I do. I, I would love to hear if there's anything yeah. that 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 um, we didn't mention that any of you out there, how you make your encounters arousing, or sorry, rousing encounters. Yes. Please, please don't tell me how you make them arousing. Tell Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> didn't mean to. <laughs> sorry, I was going to make that episode 69 joke, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fail. But no, I'll. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I can pass that along to my sister Stephanie because she wants to do volunteer work. She wants to read porn for the blind. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah. Um, no, um, 
<laughs> yeah, this was actually a listener suggested topic. I, I had lost the contact information of whom asked us to do this topic um, way back when it was it was an email or whether it was a Facebook message. I, I probably could have done a, a search through our archives to find out where it was, but I just decided ah, fuck it. <laughs> so if you're listening to basically what Tony's saying is if you're listening to this episode and this was your idea, let us know. And we'll yeah, let us know, and, and thank you for giving us the show topic. It made me yeah. think about more in depth the how I write the interesting encounters that I do. Yeah, and they are interesting, I must say. Yes, excellent. The Very no good. combat check, combat check adversary was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, one of my finer moments. It sure was. <laughs> we don't have our usual on the slab to follow up. We Mm -hmm. do, however, have some advantageous threats coming. All right. Welcome to our next segment that we call advantageous Threats, where we build, roll, and narrate some die results on some sample skill checks for our entertainment and yours, and we build up a little scenario. And in this one, and in keeping with the uh, episode 69, it's called Size Matters. Oh, <laughs> fuck. We're in for it, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> and in this one, tied in a little bit with our uh, Tales of the Episodic Clip, uh, Eclipse, the eccentric Dr. W. Slazinski, a Zemlian scientist. They're the ones with the red, reddish skin that uh, Chris came up with in a Victorian-era world. Cool. He is want- Yes, he is wanted for crimes against the multiverse, and our two heroes uh, have tracked him down to a hideout-slash-lab in a small-dimension world devoid of life but rich in the minerals he needs for his project. So while trying to capture the doctor, both heroes were caught in his new shrink ray cannon. What? Yeah. Oh, no. And now they are only the size of small oh. lab mice. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and Dr. Slazinski has placed Big Joe. Not and so big detective, anymore. <laughs> no. And Detective, and Detective Rafa on his large workbench as he gloats about, his, about their certain demise. And he releases a half a dozen of his robo-scorpions. Now, no, normally these tiny little robots would be easily crushed underneath their, their, their boot heels. But now they have they, they blocked the way to the shrink race controls, which is the only way to get back to their normal size. Huh. Can they defeat the scorpots and return to their normal sizes? Hmm. Well, then. There we go. That's interesting. So that's a nice little blurb. I yeah. love it. That is great. <laughs> so just quickly, which uh, what are you guys playing, Chris? Let's start with you. Well, you said Big Joe. This is uh, Joe Joseph Joss Monofred or Big Joe, the mm. lumberjack from I believe I played him in episode fifty. Mm. Um, he is a lumberjack, and he doesn't care. Yeah. No? Right. Um, he's uh, um, basically he's been uh, he's from a long line of lumberjacks, and uh, he took right. the oath of the sequoia as soon as he was old enough. And it's 
everybody needs to be remind, reminded of what the oath of Sequoia is. If, of course, uh, go ahead. If they stand behind you, protect them. If they stand beside you, respect them. And if they stand against you, defeat them. And mm-hmm. I think we might need to add to that. If you are one inch tall, fucking run <laughs> away. No. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> we've got a couple of um, his motivations here. Um, his desire is safety. He fears death. How about, how about how about this? Yeah, we could add if they're bigger than you, chop them down to size. Oh, yeah. nice! I like that. <laughs> if they're bigger than you, chop them down to size. I have to make a note of that. We may have to may have to make an addendum to the oath. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's adaptable. Good thing. <laughs> no matter what life throws at your character, even a shrink ray, you can do it. Yeah. And then he's got a he's got an addiction. Uh-oh. Keeping his axe sharp, his mind sharp, and his senses dulled with alcohol, I believe. Ooh. Potentially. Well, it won't take that much is, to get him drunk this time. <laughs> that is Big Joe, <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> nice. Or I guess he's on a half shell? Sorry. Go ahead. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Close. I like the illustration you had for him in the character sheet. Yes. Which was basically an old Canadian stamp kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, uh, well, Joe, awesome. Joss Monfred is a famous legendary Canadian lumberjack. So Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you remember now you mentioned that but uh, yep. way back when. Nice. Oh, yeah. And he's definitely got, he's got the blonde hair, big dude like the Norskas. Right. right. <laughs> so, yes, by the way, he is a Norska human. So. Excellent. All right. And what do you got, Tony? Yeah, Tony. Uh, Detective Rafa DeBrecchio reporting for duty, sir. <laughs> All right. So Rafa, <laughs> as he's affectionately known to his friends, former Psycop, uh, he is a Torakesh Minas, or Minotaur, uh, interceptor, psychic detective. Uh, this uh, short and portly Minas is... Dressed in an armored trench coat, and he has an eye patch. Uh, That's great. Scar he he uh, picked up in the line of duty. Um, he's uh, yeah, he's a special kind of guy. Uh, he's also not only is he uh, a normal normal Minas, but I also he's got a couple of genetic mutations of uh, that um, the uh, Torakesh can buy with extra XP. So this is what made him a great detective. He happens to have an olfactory upgrade, which uh, gives him a very, very powerful sense of smell. Mm. Uh, and he has a scaled undercoat, which prevents him from wearing heavy armor, but it increases his soak while he's wearing light or no armor with a scaly coat that right. uh, is underneath his fur. So that's part of the reason why he's such a stocky little guy. Right. And short for a, uh, a minotaur at, at five foot nine. Okay. <laughs> nice. Short um, fella. Yeah. Well, All right. Really so that, yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So that's, those are our characters. And so you find yourself on top of a workbench. Your doctor just picked you up, like put you in a slip, uh, put a glass on top of you, slipped a piece of cardboard underneath and then set you on the, on the table at one end, and he released from this other container his little scorp bots. And you see at the far end, your target, the shrink ray that has, has, of course, uh, a reverse setting. So 
half the the scorpions uh, are at short range, the other half are skittering forward, but still at medium range. And, How far is the shrink array away? Uh, we could say at least at long range. Okay. If not, if not up, if not extreme range, but you know, it's it's a short encounter, so we'll make it long. Okay. Um, there are obstacles and conditions on, on this cluttered work surface. Uh, it's, like I said, uh, including but not limited to pens and cups, some food, notepads, electronic tools, circuit boards, uh, anything else that you guys may come up with that could possibly be on a workbench of a mad scientist. Uh, okay. So, because I, I used uh, Tony's rouse uh, to try to make this encounter, combat encounter, uh, more interesting, the R-O-U-S-E. Cool. Okay. So, well, yes. I have a quick question. Sure, go ahead. Is the doctor nearby? No, the doctor is left. He's gloated and he just left. Awesome. Sure that the, uh, assured that uh, his scorp bots will take care of you. His of arrogance. course he did. So, <laughs> I have a question. Mm-hmm. My lumberjack, he has the psionics skill. Mm-hmm. What magic quote unquote actions can I use with that? I know we haven't done our psionics um, yet. Um, Not yet. Are we talking moving objects with the mind? We uh, could probably yeah. use move, definitely. Okay. okay. Some, some move, a bit of augment. Uh, well, because you know what I I'm think thinking, we had Tony? it built into the skill. I think we had it. <coughs> we did have it in our notes. In our skill uh, keep note. going, and I'll I'll, Go I'll, I'll I'll look for it. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I mean, Tony, if you, I mean, are we rolling initiative right now, or you want us yeah, to go? Can. Are you going to go? How do you want to do it? We'll roll initiative real okay. quick. All right. Okay. So you're talking vigilance, yeah. right? Potentially. Yeah, vigilance right? or cool, whichever one is better for you. I'll uh, roll for the, these guys. I've got some vigilance, and I'm rolling. I've got real dice here because <laughs> I like real dice. I've got I've got a willpower of three, no ranks in vigilance, but okay. I did get um, 2.03, two successes, three advantage for me. Okay. Let me read the, uh, that skill. Let me see here. I had two successes, one advantage. Okay. And the bots, I got a good one. They've got three successes, three advantage, and a triumph. Oh, shit. Nice. Well, then, guess they're coming to us first. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me okay. just get a couple of dice just to represent these death skill points. I mean, the... Uh, Story points. There we go. One for the GM, two for the players. In front of me. So the bots will go first. They uh, simply, you know, they're, they're skittering forward. Okay. You know what? It, with my, can I, can I use that three advantage that I got for my um, initiative check to kind of change the terrain? Maybe throw, maybe throw a, um, throw a. Uh, a tipped over coffee cup between a group of them and us so that it's sure. slippery, difficult terrain or maybe. Sure. Why not? Why not? Uh, they will use their triumph as a free maneuver. So some of them are moving from medium to short range and the three closest okay. ones, maybe that's the one that you try to target with your cup. Cool. Uh, I'm pretty sure the okay. Zemlian scientist is a little clumpy. All right. Most likely, I have... 
the magic mm-hmm. list for you, Chris. Yes. Okay. Uh, what do we attack, augment, curse, heal, mask, mind, and move. And augment and heal and mask may only be used on the self. Right. Augment. What was that? Augment. Attack. Yep. Augment. Yep. Curse. Heal. Mm-hmm. Mask. Mind. Move. Okay. And what I don't think we. I think we dropped mind, but I'm not sure. What can yeah, we use um, on ourself? What What are the only ones I can use on on self? Augment. Augment. Heal. And mask. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right. Okay. So these guys, like I said, free, free movement at the beginning. They're, they're getting close. So some of them are we're getting close, but you've moved some stuff at your advantage. That makes it difficult. So we have to spend another maneuver cool. to to really make it to engaged. Okay. As they try to engage. Overcome some. It's an ice coffee, so there's ice as well. Uh, oh, nice! <laughs> ice cubes that they have to go over, up and over. Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> All right. That uh, so that they spent their free maneuver kind of thing for the triumph. They maneuvered their standard maneuver then as well, and now they're ready to take their action, basically to try and attack. Um, and I'll roll a d6 to see who. They're going to attack first. There's three of them. We'll okay. just split them into two small groups of three first. Uh, go back. To, uh, all right. Let me just go edit to make sure that I, get, I, I do this properly. There we I'll go. Take, I'll take the even numbers. Even? All right. So a five. Tony. All right. Oh. targeted with the first one. Detective. Okay. Yes. Detective, Detective Rafa. Then the other group will they're, come after me. Then, yeah, All that's right. it. So they're they're coming in at you uh, hey. with pincers. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Come on, skill. Oh, sometimes this program. I'm not. Uh, All right. So so fine. We'll close, roll it from there. Uh, so the. Difficulty of two. Do you have any defense on the? I do. I have one. All right, <laughs> and a setback on that. There we go. Whoops, just one. All right, so they, they can't aim, so they will simply roll the dice. Ah, they miss. So nice. But they do get one advantage. Uh, so you're busy enough. Uh, that it will give the next group of three a boost die. Okay. They're, al- they're allies. And then we've got a PC slot. Let's see. Chris, you want to take it? Um, go ahead. I'm trying to find okay. the description for the move. Oh, okay. was, that in, was that out of that um, the magic guide? That- yes. Uh, yeah, Zenithrix guide to magic. Yep. Okay, I got it. Okay. So uh, I will do, to start off, I will, uh, once per and round, my character may, as an incidental, quick draw my pistol. Okay, excellent. Uh, uh, though it is uh, super, super tiny, it's uh, at least <laughs> looks like it could uh, damage, hopefully, the Scorpion bots. 
Um, well, everything is scaled down, kind of thing. So you're you, you're still using your your attributes as they are. You're not, you know, yeah, just yeah. one. I figured as much. Everything is to scale. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, because size matters. <laughs> right. Right. Right <laughs> yeah, on. Right. <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to use as my maneuver. I'm going to use uh, coordinated assault once per turn. Your character may use this talent to have a number of allies engage with your character. Uh, equal to your ranks and leadership, add uh, that advantage to their check. Yep. Uh, uh-huh. To all combat checks they make this turn. Okay. So I have uh, two ranks and leadership. So, Chris, you're going to get two advantage. Nice. I'm going to need it. Add it to your okay. check um, for my maneuver. As Rafa's like, you go left, I'll go right. And uh, <clears throat> that's right. And then for my action, uh, the, the bots on my friend. I'm going to take the hamstring shot once per round. Your character may use this talent to perform a ranged combat check against one non-vehicle target within range. Uh, If the check is successful, half the damage inflicted and reduce uh, before reducing and uh, the target is immobilized until the end of its next turn. Immobilized. Sweet. All right. So hamstring shot on his so that he can Maybe get around and get to those controls. All right. Um, so, uh, I also have the precision talent, which allows me to use my cunning for my uh, range light. Ooh. So, I will be using a cunning-based range light. Uh, what did you say the range was? Um, they're uh, they're in, uh, engage range now to, to you. Engage range, so that's going to yeah. be one normally and then since i'm using a light weapon add one mm-hmm. um and my uh my dice pool sits currently at two yellow two green two perp all right i'm good you're good i'm good rolling yep. it up okay so first of all triumph ah excellent um so three successes one threat and a triumph all right. Uh, total damage for the weapon. Uh, let's see. Where is my weapons on this thing? Submachine gun. Oh, it's not a pistol. It's a submachine gun. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, damage is normally five, so it's going to be uh, eight damage to That's the first group. Machine gun pistol. <laughs> machine pistol. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. No, it's so a eight. submachine gun. It uses short range. Sweet. Or, sorry, range light. Right. All right. Awesome. So there we go. All right. So they suffer four damage. Uh, yeah, four damage. They've got silver four. So the one of them gets taken out. Uh, and okay. One of them. And one of them. Uh, well, they're actually remember to half the damage, and they're immobilized. Ah, right. All right. Then so half the damage, immobilized. Only two. And with your triumph, you, you just take out one? Uh, actually, no. For my triumph, ah. um, I would uh, like to, if you don't mind, posthumously trigger the auto-fire <laughs> on my submachine gun and hit the other group as well. Oh, sure. Why not? Cool. With the same hamstring shot. Same hamstring shot. So They're immobilized. Nice. That helps uh, me, by right. the way. So basically, right. just firing at their feet. 
right. strafing the area around their feet, causing a bunch of damage. Maybe chips of the table coming up and hitting their legs and causing awesome. them yeah. to yeah to get fettered. That's nice. it. Excellent. But you still do a bit of damage as well to, to them. Damage, as yeah. Things are yeah cool. Uh, That's my things. turn. All right, excellent. And Chris, your turn. All right. Well, Big Joe, Joe Big Joe sees that. He's like, "You go left, I go right." He starts shooting the. He starts shooting the ground, kind of distracting the ones in front of me. And I'm having. I've got a bead on that, um, on that, on the control trigger switch to to turn us all, all right. big again. Okay. All right. I'm gonna focus. I'm gonna. I'm gonna move. I'm actually gonna spend two maneuvers to get the short range. All right, so yeah, so you if go possible. from Maya because they're long range. So yep. yeah, you move one long, long, two, yeah, two range bands. Two range bands, right. so I could get the short range. All right. Um, I'm actually going to spend four strain total because right. I want to use the move power to manipulate that trigger or the, the uh-huh. switch and move and just turn it on from short All range, right. which would be an easy move check. However, um. I'm, I can't aim, so I do have, um, yeah, so I have, so my psionic right. skill is one yellow, one green, and I have one purple die here. Right. So. Wow. Because it's a tense moment, of course. Uh, I'm going to upgrade it. Oh, you're going to uh, upgrade it. Oh. Upgrade it, yeah. Well, we really want this to succeed. I'm going to upgrade yeah. mine as well. So I have two yellow right. and a red. Plus red. the two advantage the detective gave me. All right, excellent. Uh, I think I'm good. Maybe just just throw in a setback because these skittering bots are racing behind you. You yeah, know they're, they're right behind give, you. Right, right, and and the, of uh, course the ricochet of the of the auto fire shots are a little distracting as well. <laughs> a little kind of bit. Running, you didn't running through that. the chaos. Well, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I'm running through the chaos, and I kind of know. I, I kind of yep. trust. I trust the detective. He knows what he's doing. Um, Hopefully, yeah. Yep. Bits of paper clips uh-huh. flying all over. All right, <laughs> all right. So we're gonna roll this. Um, here we go. All right. Okay. Um, did not succeed. However, mm-hmm. I have three net advantage. Um, so here you go. Right. So can I use the three advantage to maybe um, I move something else, but I can't think of what. How about <laughs> this is a scientist lab, right? How about yeah, a chemical yeah. beaker? Yeah. Chemical beaker. Yeah. Tip it over. Okay. Something, Ooh. say, flammable? Oh. On the table or near the ray? Onto the ray? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Or onto, onto the ray? I don't think that would help I us. don't think that would help <laughs> us, no. <laughs> on, on one of the bots? No, okay. So it's actually a chemical that interacts with the ice coffee. And there's some yeah. sort of <laughs> reaction happening between the group that I went past and where I'm at right now. All right, maybe yeah, chemical reaction. It creates a mist, uh, oh, some smoke stuff, and that <gasps> might dry ice. Uh, That's what it is. It's like some sort of like, um, what is that? What is the thing called? The 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 stuff that freezes instantly. Nitrogen. Know. Nitrogen. Or I don't know. Just freezes the iced coffee. It's always really is slick and freezing. 
Yeah, so they're even their <laughs> I don't know. even their little spiky uh, claws are having some difficulty. Oh yeah, oh yeah. As the cold cold goes goes up them. All right, so I'm giving like, oh, them. Oh, I uh, tried. No. Oh crap. No. Where? Oh shit. The beaker. Look out. <laughs> All right. So All right. for for them, it'll cost. It'll be even more difficult terrain to try and cross if they want to get to you. Gotcha. Right. All right. That's all right. Excellent. Okay. All right. So that was your action. We'll go back up to yes. the round. So we'll go back to the ones that are on on Tony. Those ones, the first group. Okay. They are immobilized until the yeah. end of their turn. Right. So that's all they can do. And they can't move. They're immobilized. They, mm-hmm. they can't move, but they can take actions. Correct. All right. Well, Both groups. And you're still in uh, engage range. So they'll just, I understand. I'm a sacrifice. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's, they're going to try and hit you again. A right. sacrificial cow, so to speak. Yep. <laughs> but since it, Don't sell yourself too short. Yep. <laughs> short. Ha <laughs> <laughs> So again, two difficulty, a defense. <laughs> All right, and well, I'll add an extra setback dice because they they can't move any closer. Sometimes you know they're uh, they're still around you, but it's a bit more difficult for them. Did you say move? <laughs> yes. yes he, did. <laughs> he didn't quite say it like that, but I heard move. <laughs> Uh, but with all that, uh, including maybe their that big scorpion tail which comes over, they do get one success to oh. hit and an advantage and one advantage. Oh, okay. So, so let me just go back to the character sheet. There, We're not enough for a critical, but they do have it's so one success or so five damage. All right, I'll take one because I have a soak of four. All right, so there you go. Excellent. Oh, and I forgot they're accurate. Oh, well, they, they lose their accurate. That's a, for this time since uh, they're It's one blue die if you want to roll it in. Uh, I'll roll it I'll in real quick. Damage, what the one. hell? Uh, two advantages. So now I know. So Is that enough with, to crit me now? Yeah, but that would be enough to crit you. So yeah, See? See? Don't sell yourself short. No? All right. So critical percentage real quick. And again, ooh, that, these are vicious uh, pincers. The size of your dice pool matters. Yeah. It sure does. So, And they're vicious too. Ooh. Hey, 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 hey. Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. 79 plus 20. 99. Whoa. Uh-oh. That's yeah. going to be a... Uh-oh. That, that might be a... It's not 69, but... Well, crippled. Ooh. One of my limbs is impaired until his critical injury is healed. Increased difficulty of all checks that use that limb. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, so what, what's one of those arms... Arm? Or one of those vestigial arms. Oh, <laughs> uh, what do you want? It's up to you. It's GM's choice. Uh, it makes sense for them to attack my gun arm, but yeah, definitely the gun arm. <laughs> They're not that bright. So okay. nice <laughs> intellect one. <laughs> right. So yeah, you hear <laughs> as he roars from the other side of the field. <gasps> his, right. His gun hand just falls limp. Uh oh. Uh oh. All right. So that, so that was that, and then the other. The other group, uh, they've they're find themselves surrounded by all this uh, this yeah immobilized uh, and with all this mist uh, vapor coming up coming up, so they can't move any closer. But they have their little ranged lasers on the uh, on their carapace. 
No, oh, do no. they now? Try to fire that. Yes. <laughs> through the mist? Just setback die, maybe? Through, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to be a setback <laughs> die for, the, uh, for that. Okay. So let's go back to their character sheet real quick. And range light. Yes, there we go. Uh, they're at short range. There we go. So two difficulty. Well, um, medium range, actually. I moved two range bands. Move from engaged to short to. Okay. To medium. To medium. All right. So that would be an extra uh, difficulty. Yep. Okay. They've got accurate one. So boost die there. Doop, doop, doop. And a setback dice for the cover of the mist. Nice. All right. And do you have any defense? Uh, no. No, all right. Oh, and he, they did get a boost die from their previous uh, allies there, the other group. Unless, unless my flannel vestments give me um, defensive awesomeness. <laughs> we could if they were trying to charm you or, <laughs> or you were trying to charm them or coerce them. That's right. All right, rolling the dice. Okay. So, ooh, two failures. So they don't. So lasers go pew, 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 but five advantages and a triumph. Oh, shite. Yeah. So, maybe they knock me out on my. Maybe they knock me off my feet. Knock me down. They could knock you. They could knock you prone. Cool. Uh, that works. And there's uh, the triumph. <sighs> oh, oh yes, the triumph. One of the lasers hits one of the controls on the uh, shrink ray. The thing pivots and hits one of the uh, the bots. And makes it a little bit bigger, like twice its size. So it's like silhouette two compared to your silhouette ones. Oh, shite. It's, okay. it's still small. Yeah, it's still small. Still. It doesn't grow human size kind of thing, right, but it's right, still, right. it's a little bit bigger. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> now, is that in the group that's on the, the detective or on their that group, that full group? That that little group uh, was aiming in with at, the at lasers me. at you. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay, yeah. cool. So there All we go. All righty then. Do we do well, one more round? Well, let me finish. Well, we can yeah, finish my turn. Sure. Because yeah, sure. No, well, I'm so glad you knocked me prone, buddy. Because oh. <laughs> guess what talent I grabbed? Uh-oh. Jump up. I figured a lumberjack <laughs> would have a jump the jump up talent. So as an incidental, I get to stand from prone. Well, there we go. <laughs> so he kips up. Oh, like big lumberjack that he is. Right. And he'll move to engage range on the bots that are on the detective because he, he sees his buddy the detective uh, take a nasty hit. So grabbing oh. his great axe. So I'm guessing oh, that probably within you'd, short range. You'd be, you're, you ran like two, two uh, range, range bands though for, from, that, from that group. Okay, the, so, the, the, so then I'll move into an engage range to them. So I'll move to short the, range and into engage. Of the group that are, okay, yeah. so the, the one Chris. that has... I hate yeah. to be a bad guy here, but you created an obstacle between you and them. True. I thought it was there between the, the other the other group. No, the group that I'm going on you, towards you. Oh. I thought Not that was the between ones. us and you. Or between you and them, period. Meaning me, too. I don't I don't know, but whatever. Well, my, my visual is different from yours. Yeah, I... I, I use the theater of the mind. Yeah, I thought, I thought you were affecting the second group of bots that had... That came to we're me. starting okay. further away, and then yeah, they they turned around to to follow you towards the machine. Gotcha. All right, so it's only one group that was affected. It's not between him and me. Got it. Oh, that's it. 
Okay. There you go. Sweet. So I'll just I'll spend the two strain though to get to get to engaged range. Okay. On those bots because I think they were okay. I probably needed to, to yeah so two that maneuvers to get to that group. All right. Yeah, to get to the group that's on uh, detective. On detective. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Right. So I've got two yellow, two green, and an engaged range is two purple. Right. Um. Let me see. Uh. That looks good to me. Right. Uh, well, I'll, I'll two maneuvers. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Okay. I'll spend a, a story point to uh, make one of those red to increase the difficulty. Yeah. The, All right. Do they have any difference? They're starting. They're starting to get free of their. Uh, the no, they don't have. They have one defense. Yes. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let me roll it. Oop. Okay. Holy failure tonight, Batman. Oh. <laughs> well, it looks like I have... <laughs> looks like I netted three advantage again. <laughs> um, <laughs> wonderful. Let's see here. Um, well, let's see. I, I you had know, some I ideas for like, advantage. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like... Maybe I can... On my, uh, sure, go ahead. I think maybe I, um, I'll heal one strain... And then uh, okay. with the two, maybe I give them a setback die to a, to make their next on their next attack. So I kind of okay, didn't sure. quite I, expect it, and maybe my yeah, axe I, bounces off their carapace and jolts yeah, them a from, little bit. From the unique results of the rouse, I had like for advantages a small welding tools shoots sparks temporarily shorting out a bot. So Ooh, there you go, nice, perfect, sounds good to me. Spend it. All right. Yep. And that's so two rounds. He's all. Yeah, so that well, we have Tony still uh, to do his uh, his action on this round, and then we can see uh, what happens, Detective okay. Rafa. All right, so, so so your friend came back to try and rescue you to fight and, and fight, and he's he missed, but he still managed to clip a a welding tool. It spun around and zzz, shocked one of the bots. Uh, so it'll get uh, a setback on its uh, on its next action if it were to act. Maybe oh, even maybe even an upgrade. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, it it hurts a lot. My my gun arm has got a big old gash in it where they clipped me. Right. Well, so, how about uh, since this might be the last round, give you a boost dive for the short. Make it more active. You know, maybe the the short that. Uh, what round are we in? For the Third two, one or second one? Uh, so? Second round, the end of the second round. I thought you went twice already, though, Tony, didn't you? The detective? Or no? No, you, no, you just went once oh, you did. with oh, auto fire. Oh, okay. oh, that's what it was. So, yeah. Okay. So I have decided that uh, my my arm hurts. Mm-hmm. I use my vestigial arms to tuck my machine, my submachine gun back inside my pants. Mm-hmm. So I've got these little tiny vestigial arms, and they're oh, tucking right. my uh, submachine gun back into the, you know, into my coat, into my pants, wherever I store it. All right. And I'm going to. <laughs> uh, how close am I to the edge of the table? Uh, as close as you want. <laughs> um, okay. As close as I want, I'll say yeah. one range increment away. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, the group in front of me, I'm going to lower my horns and push them off the table. All right. All right. So we'll say at least with uh, at least a success, you'll get one. Uh, and with advantages and whatever, we'll see okay. what you get. That's see a, if you get more of them. That's a brawl check. Right. 
So I don't have any ranks in it, but I still do have the um, the precision, which allows me to use my cunning. All right. So I lower my head and p- try to push them off the table with my horns. All right. You so you messed with the wrong bull. Yeah. So you had an advantage from uh, Chris's uh, or boost advantages, or the boost die, sorry, and a setback dice for the defense. They've got one defense. Got it. Uh, melee difficulty to two purple. All right. Um, I do. I do not have any more story points, so I cannot upgrade. And um, oh, <laughs> I'm okay with not spending one. I like this pool. All right. So do it up. All right. Lots of success and a couple of blank dice. So that's not oh. bad. So I had um, total of three successes, one advantage. All right. I'd like to spend a story point and use a lucky strike. Oh, cunning, right. and add four more successes to the damage of this. Um, so basically, I'm doing what's my my horns do, and I'm doing the damage with my horns, but it's technically right. pushing them off the table. So, right. Um, well, grand total uh, is three plus three plus four, so total ten. And damage, let's say, yeah, versus their uh, their pool, let's say, of nine total. Uh, we've got four soak. You say some of it's soak. It's like they 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 dig in a little bit. You push two of them off. Nice. With that, nice. Uh, you can use your advantage if you want to push the third one. I only have one single advantage. I would just like to uh, have pushed it to maneuvered it to the edge, and hopefully, you know, some some proper right. maneuvering next turn i can kick it off or something Thank sure you. all right so two of them are gone all right pew, pew, and you hear ding ding <laughs> hit nice. the ground below <laughs> the tiles nice there we go do you want to go another round or should we just stop it here up to you it's your encounter you can, you can do another round real quick Sounds okay good. all right so that last one it's all by itself, but it will skitter. Let's push back a little bit, skitter towards you, take a, man- a maneuver to move towards you, and try and sting you uh, with its uh, stinger. Okay, there we go. So, two. Um, let's see here. Oh, God damn it. The way. All right. Accurate one, so boost die there. But I did say, uh, oh yeah, that's for uh, you get to boost die earlier. Perfect. And do you have any defense? Yep, yep, one. All right, one. That's right. Um, uh, so I got three green, a blue, two purple, and a black. So let's do that. Okay. Um, Ooh, two successes and an advantage. There we go. So that's with the stinger, not enough to do a crit, but it does have momentum. It has an ability called momentum. If they perform a, manu- a move maneuver, they can add three damage to one hit from successful brawl or melee combat. So for a grand total of two, four, six, seven, eight, eight damage. Ouch. Yeah. As it really rams into you. Oh, wow. Ouch. <laughs> All right. I'll soak four of that. Take four. 
All right. And then the other group of four, uh, three, with their giant uh, brother amongst the uh, the other the two, have uh, turned themselves around and are moving towards you. But they were already uh, pretty far away, so they'll just take around their, their maneuver to move from medium to short. And, yeah, they'll downgrade their action to move to engaged. Okay. That's about it. And then we got a PC slot. Go for it. Uh, well, I'd like to make a run for it and maybe put some of these obstacles between me and them. All right. So yeah. that sounds like a deception check, correct? Could be a deception, yeah. Yep. Totally. Um, okay. I'll use my deception to try to faint and move options. Basically, you know, oh, I'm going this way. Aha! Kidding, wow. going the other way around <laughs> objects to make them chase right. around objects. Nice. And I and and mentally, I'm gonna I'm gonna convey a message to my friend. Get to that switch. <laughs> All right. Um, so, what is their vigilance? Their vigilance is uh, this is a group. That, that, well, the the vigilance of the the one that's simply on you is one would be one purple. Uh, unless okay. you're affected by the other three, I can merge the, all, all of them into f- to one one group now. Okay, actually, group of four. Is vigilance one of their group skills? Yeah, it is. So I'll just uh, upgrade it. There we go. So now they're one group. So that would be two red and purple. Okay. All right. I would uh, like to spend a story point to upgrade because I really want this to succeed. All right, not a problem, and uh, I'll I'll spend a story point too because you know despair. <laughs> three red dice, okay. <laughs> three red, three green, and a yeller. Um, there's still smoke in the air, boost die. Oh yeah. All right. Awesome. <laughs> and sparks from the other thing. All right, you got your despair, but I also <laughs> got a lot of advantage. Oh. All right. So, um. One single success, despair, and five advantage. All right. So you do succeed in putting some obstacles. You push a, a small beaker or a small, little small racks of the, uh, what do they call them? Uh, not, not beakers, but uh, test tubes. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> With go. content, contents of crushed minerals, liquids, and they are all reacting in uh, the glass as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to do with your advantage? Uh, I would like to give that I've distracted them all so well that Chris has a complete clear path to the machine. Nice. Awesome. Very good. All right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Big Joe. Big Joe. Yeah. Big Joe. <laughs> Get up. Try and use his. What's actually, my it, despair? It, it, it moved actually big Joe. Like he, he was standing on a ruler and it spun. Sending him a little close, like he's now oh, in, in so, short so. range. He's short range of the machine. <laughs> Very Whoa. Perfect. Whoa! But by doing that, you you spun yourself, and you're at the edge, uh, the other edge of the table oh, of the other the ruler, other half of the ruler, other edge of the ruler over the edge. I'm on one and side, you're on the other side, yeah. so I can't and step off just, of it. Oh, so. no, you can't. Just you got to hit me with that shriek ray before I hit the ground. I know. So you hang. <laughs> The edge of the ruler is just hanging above the All edge, right. and you're just hanging on there. 
Excellent. So I'm standing on. So I'm picturing. I'm standing on one side of the ruler. You're yeah. standing on the other side of the ruler, off the table. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yep. So hitting us with the shrink ray, I have my psionics. So I'm within short range. Okay. Yep. So it's a it's a one difficulty. Can I double aim with the move? Or not? Because it's a trigger. I don't know about that. I'll say I'll say or yes. Just, I'll, just, I'll just aim. I'll, I'll just, I'll just I'll take just, the aim maneuver and do and do just one, one aim. Boost. Yeah. Do boost die. All right, there we go. Yeah. Your friend is in is in uh-huh. dire straits. Do we as have well. a story got... point? Yes, you have two. You okay, have two. I'll spend one. Yeah, and I'll <laughs> so spend one as well. Well, of course, so. because despair. <laughs> because. <laughs> All right. It's, um, it's, it's literally a cliffhanger moment in miniature. <laughs> literally is. Okay, here we go. Uh... All right. The good news is no despair. All right. The bad news <laughs> is no success. Oh, one advantage. One advantage. All right. Well, you've moved one of the controls. Maybe it's powering up. Well, let's just say, yeah, let's say it's powering up. And I actually, you know what? I I moved it so that it's now aimed at us. Right. So that, (laughs) do you want to keep going or do we leave it as a cliffhanger? Let's leave it as a cliffhanger. Let's leave it as a literal, (laughs) well, it's more of a table hanger. (laughs) Still. Hey, it's big enough to be a clip. I'm standing over the Grand Canyon right yeah. now. Oh, shit. <laughs> and as you see below, the, the other scorpions that you threw off that were at the other side of the table, but now they're scurrying underneath, and you see them just coming up underneath. Oh, no. <laughs> Waiting to catch me like a bunch yep. of crocodiles at the bottom of the gorge. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm a, I'm a pancake-eating lumberjack, man, because I don't know. I'm pretty sure this this minotaur weighs a bit much. Yeah, right. but he's light now. He's small. <laughs> he's 489 pounds. Well, yeah. well, Grams, if he maybe. was one inch, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Normally. Normally. There we go. All right. Well, dude, that was fun. Yeah, so <laughs> that was I did one. use the rouse to try and get uh, some ideas, wrote down obstacles, uh, some unique results, advantage, triumph. Uh, what were some of these other other yeah. unique results? I know they're right here, but if you want to, yeah, go into a couple of them yeah. here. These were cool. Yeah. So for advantage, an idea like a small well, we already talked about that the welding tool sparks and shorts a robot, and that could be interpreted as giving them setback, an immobilization, nice. whatever. Nice. Uh, a triumph. The PC has hit something that strikes a bot and flips it off the bench. <laughs> Uh, threat. A spilled drink has dried up, but created a sticky mess slowing down movement. <laughs> uh, uh, or despair. A shrink ray has shot out, which I used. Uh, a brief yep. burst, and one of the bots grows a little bit bigger, which would have been more <laughs> damage, more dangerous. But yep. He was still confused, like, where's my target? <laughs> They're so small. Uh, skill diversity, ideas like athletics to overcome obstacles, oh, like parkour kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Deception or stealth to use obstacles against them. Yeah, which is what yeah. you did, Tony, right? You use the deception to move out of the way. Yeah. Escape route, look look to create ways to resolve. So maybe, you know, they uh, do find a way to, to get to the shrink ray or just maybe just off the table to a, a, a stool to evade the whole thing and maybe come at it from a different angle. It could have been in a... One thing. Nice. I like your picture of these, of them. Yeah. <laughs> Those are pretty neat. Yep. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. 
So there you go. So uh, ideas on how to uh, uh, master the encounter. <laughs> oh, you mastered that one. Yeah. I'm just wondering uh, now. Now I'm now now I'm wondering what happens if they get stuck in the shrink ray as well when I turn it on. Ah, you never know. Could make a could make a mess in here. <laughs> yeah. Roll for a triumphant despair. Yeah, yeah it could be. Yeah, you return you return to your normal size, but then the scorpions are also all over the place. <laughs> think think Velociraptors in well, the uh, Jurassic Park uh, kitchen. <laughs> as I was rolling, as I was rolling that first check, I'm like, huh, <laughs> that could be bad. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but size matters. It's all relative, yep. apparently. It can't be. <laughs> all right. Well, are we ready to end this thing? Well done, man. I think you. I think. Thank you. Thank you. I think we're we are. We can proceed to the outro. All right. Well, hey everybody. That is our show for tonight. Um, on our next show. We're going back to the bar, the Epsilon Eclipse, and we're going to discuss adversaries that we have created for that setting. Um, I think we're going to each create a couple of them and come up with, I think we were just talking, maybe a couple couple nemeses, couple rivals, couple minion groups types for this. And, um, and I think it'd time. be a good time to reveal the big bads in the setting. I don't think we've done that yet. Probably not. No, no, I haven't mentioned any big bads. Yeah, we brain not from our brainstorming, right? Yeah, from our brainstorming. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good. So, so we have something special for our listener feedback um, uh, segment here, Um, Stefan. Yes. Well, not so much. Yeah, not so much a listener feedback, but uh, some news from the community that uh, a friend of the show, uh, Keith Kappel, who's written for Fantasy Grounds, Fantasy Flight Games, uh, Star Wars, and Genesis, has now been hired on to work for Edge Studios, I think, as a freelance, right, Tony? The article? Correct. Right. Freelance writer at Edge Studios. Edge uh, Studios. He just recently announced that uh, to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're super excited because well, yeah. that means that. That means that Sam at the at the wheel over at Edge uh, was at the wheel at Genesis uh, with Fantasy Flight, and now Keith, one of the one of the big writers for it, is on the project. So that That's is great it. news. So actual people who write for role playing games are there. So <laughs> and, promises. And, and it's Keith. Uh, he's been great to us uh, coming on the show, and uh, he's, he's wrote yep. that great Ready Fight supplement. Oh heck yeah! Um, so. I look forward to seeing what he does in the future. So yes. congratulations, Keith. Yeah. Yes, rumors he's, he's got yeah, rumors he's got something going on about that's like like a follow up to Ready Fight with I think vehicle related combat. Ooh. Yeah. So we'll see what I hope what it's Mad out. Max themed. Gosh, yeah. I hope it comes out I hope it comes out before my speed buggy actual play, man. <laughs> maybe I can Hopefully. maybe I can help. <laughs> or maybe we can reach out to him and ask him if he can uh, Lend, lend you a, a beta uh, of the rules, and we can test it out. If you're I listening, Keith, reach out to us. Yeah, please. yeah, maybe. <laughs> and that's it for the listener feedback. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if you want to write us, complain, file all complaints at 
fighting the narrative podcast gmail.com uh you can get a hold of stefan and i uh, finding the narrative on facebook all three of us finding the narrative on miwi mm-hmm. we're still there even though it's kind of a it's kind of dead, dead community for us ghost town ghost town uh, uh we still have our twitter presence uh, the the mm-hmm. social media director here stefan at at ftn underscore genesis Cool. And if you want to, be kind enough to recommend us to others. We're on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, Spotify, and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. So great show, guys. Yeah. Yes. You uh, too, guys. Had a lot of fun. Yep. Thanks for putting. Lots of fun. You, thanks for putting a lot of that together. It was very rousing. Yes. <laughs> and informative, there, Tony. I I feel, I feel satisfied. Do you guys feel satisfied? I feel satisfied. I'm, oh, yeah. Well, then it was a great episode 69 because everyone <laughs> <Yep>. wins. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> All right. This is Tony saying, let's tell a story and spend them damn story points. Yes. And this is Stefan saying, dare to ask for those boost dice, even if you're tiny little guy, no, no bigger than a field mice. That's right. And then remember the ruler of cool. I mean, the rule of cool. (laughs) And don't step off that ruler if your buddy's on the other end of it. (laughs) But just have fun. Yep, you have to measure up. Oh, (laughs) well done. Well done, Steph. Good night, everybody. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast, is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned on this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast, copyright 2020, all rights reserved.